Would Pussy Riot get all this press if their name was Dahl? Would Philip Larkin have cheered up if he'd got out of Hull? We start the episode with happy news, Oh, that's good, isn't it? It In this very, very difficult world where there's a lot of troublesome news. Yes, but not today, not to answer me this, because... Our Skype line's working again! Hooray! Yeah! So we're very pleased to say that if you want to get in touch with us and uh, you don't want to use the phone, then you can just Skype answer me this! Hooray! Yeah, don't put hooray at the end, that's probably someone else's account. Sorry. <laughs> answer me this hooray would be someone from Made in Chelsea pretending to be us. Yes, exactly, yes. <laughs> what happiness is being bestowed on us via voicemail? Why? The following call. Emily from Exeter. Hi, Helen Laurie. You might remember that last week um, on your podcast, I was moaning about uh, the soy milk in the fridge at work going missing. Well, I went into work this morning, i.e. one day after your podcast was released, and terrifyingly, there was a carton of soy milk in the work fridge with four Emily written on it. What incredible power we have, Helen. Yeah. This, this might get to the stage where people are asking our advice only as a covert way of getting on air so that the problem resolves itself. This will be me in two weeks. I opened up my post this morning and there was a million pounds in there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say that you could actually make dreams come true like oh. this, Helen. It could be that people are asking us questions just so that... They don't have to face up to the reality of asking the people that trouble them in their own lives face to face. Well, if that's the case, then maybe our next questionnaire will uh, come into work one morning and be entertained by a flash mob all day. Uh, it's Max in London who says, I've recently started work as a lifeguard. Oh, and have, good job. Well, is it? I've quickly discovered how boring it is. No, it's a good job. I can't have any phones, iPods or books on poolside. I should hope not. And have very little to do all day. Ollie, answer me this. Can you suggest something I can do to make my job more interesting? Uh, Apart from looking at the fitties in the swimsuits. Yeah. Uh, put acid in the swimming pool. Oh, no. <laughs> that would make it more interesting. That is a sacking offence. Or put a bubble bath in the swimming pool. Yeah, I mean, well, as you suggest, Helen, it's uh, there are perks that come with not looking at an iPod sometimes, which is mm. that you can look at people in their swimsuits. That's surely the reason people go into lifeguarding, isn't it? Yeah, but then you don't want to look at, like, the geriatric aqua aerobics. No, well, this is the thing, and it's true that when you think about lifeguarding as a sort of cool pursuit, really what I'm thinking of is Baywatch yeah Yeah. (laughs) I'm not thinking about slightly scabby council swimming pool with plasters floating in it I suppose if I was a lifeguard what I'd be doing as well um if if the people that I was looking at weren't as aesthetically pleasing and also if that just got old quickly which it might yeah Uh, I think what I'd be doing is is doing the sort of yearbook epitaph thing I'd be looking at each person and thinking okay Mm. what are you going to turn into what's your psychological problem yeah invent stories yeah become a writer max Mm. right invent all kinds of things in your head and then when you get home you've probably forgotten them all that's the problem though isn't it can you carry a little notebook or something and jot down ideas yeah I reckon a notebook probably is permitted because uh, swimmers would assume that that was some sort of lifeguards lifeguard notebook wouldn't they um, I have relevant experience I worked on a fruit farm as a fruit picker supervisor for a, for a couple of summers well, and one day the apples were drowning oh, it's well, boring. bobbing for apples you can't, you can't do very much and in those days I didn't have an iPod because iPods didn't exist so I, I made up poems and poems have, have by their nature rhythm and rhyme so they're easy to remember so at the end of the day I could go home and write them, write them down yeah and you could eat fruit Max can't drink <laughs> of we- the pool water yeah but the fruit eating the novelty of that wears off very very quickly the difference between lifeguarding and fruit picking though Martin and there are many yeah. uh, is that I can't imagine a Baywatch style soap opera called fruit pickers <laughs> um, <laughs> we're, we're... are you sure Pamela Anderson covered in the juices of rotten strawberries <laughs> <laughs> but if you're working at a pool with a wave machine 
the way to make yourself amused and popular is just to switch it on every 20 minutes. The kids will go, ape! <laughs> They will love you and it. <laughs> uh, well, here's a question from Nick from Michigan who says, uh, Helen, answer me this. Whatever happened to the spork? During <laughs> the American 90s, fast food restaurants gave them out like they were herpes. But I can't find one now to save my life. Why would you need a spork to save your life? Quick, the surgeon says he'll only use one implement to do the whole operation. <laughs> um, so where did all the sporks go? Can they find their way home? <laughs> I didn't realise there was a sporkage. Or spork shortage. I've contracted it. I see what you've done, yeah. Um, maybe... I didn't realise there was a spork spurt either, or spurkurt. In the life... Because in this country it never really happened, did it? It always seemed a great novelty when you bought coleslaw at KFC and it came mm. with a spork with the colonel's head on the end. Yes. Maybe mm. in Michigan they favour separate implements rather than the combined implement. I don't know why that would be in Michigan. But here you can buy sporks readily and they have a serrated edge on the side, which I think makes them a, a splayed or something. Isn't that a kniffy spork? Well, there are various terms that haven't taken off, including knork, which is a knife and fork. <laughs> and also some people are rejecting the word spork, which is idiocy, so that's a lovely word. Uh, and they're, they're going for foon. That's rubbish. I don't even understand how that works. It's the leftovers of spork because it's less good. But you've just taken mm. the only fun thing about sporks and made it not fun by calling it foon. Yeah. I mean, using it isn't fun. The only fun thing is the name sounds a bit like pork. <laughs> exactly. You've ruined it. Well, it sounds just like pork if you put an S on the front. That's right, yeah. The thing is, if you're deciding to have a picnic uh, or a situation where a spork might be useful, yeah. generally, in my experience, you're prepa- if, you, if you're taking cutlery, if you're deciding to take cutlery rather than just use your hands, yeah. you're prepared to take the extra load. You're prepared to yeah. take double the load of cutlery that you would otherwise. Yeah, and also when you're spooning something into your mouth, you don't want prongs. Right. You so can cause an injury. If you've got a little plastic bag with your forks in it, have another one with your spoons in it. I think maybe the spork is a popular implement for parents to carry around in child emergencies. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just useful to have it in your bag at all times because you don't know whether the child will want to spear something or scoop something, but they're probably going to kick off anyway if you cannot provide. Yes. I wonder whether the spork peaked in the Victorian era before the word was even recorded. It's Tell first... me more, Helen. It's... Apparently the Victorians were all about making blended versions of cutleries... So spoons with prongs, serrated spoons, you know, things that did two things, but they were made out of silver, so really you had the money to buy two things rather Mm. than one. I mean, the Victorians were very into progress, weren't they? Oh, loved it. Innovation at every turn. So I wonder if it would actually be incredibly disappointing to a Victorian if they were to be reincarnated now, Mm. to realise that, you know, here we are, 150 years later, we still haven't really evolved the knife and the fork. Everything else, you know, we've got smartphones, we've got super fast trains. But our cutlery drawers still have three separate sections. Yeah. What is with that? It does feel like, actually, they should have sorted that out. You think they would have invented some sort of food fund by now? Well, this is what I was thinking. Why not have a straw that goes straight into your throat so that you can carry on sporking food in at the same time as drinking? Or why don't you have a spork with a hollow handle so you can use that as a straw? Yeah, that's good. What would you call that? The... Spraw. The s- mm. Spraw, You that's want to awful. keep the pork element because the that's the funny bit. Spraw. The sprock. Nice. If you've got a question, email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. 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 Um. Here's a question from a man who says, please give me a fake name in case my ex listens. I like Gregory, but you can choose. I like Gregory, that's fine. Gregory. He says, I am recently single and also, unrelatedly, recently homeless. So I've moved in temporarily with some friends and we're all looking for a new place together. 
However, until we find a new place, I'll be living in the living room, surrounded by boxes, hey. no bedroom furniture, <laughs> and on a single bed. Nice. The area we live in is also less than salubrious. Oh, you sound like quite a catch. Are you sure there's actually a house around them and he's not just living in a pile of boxes under a bridge? <laughs> As a single man, if I play my cards right, I hope that I'll get the opportunity to take some girls back to my new abode. Girls plural, eh? Mm. Mm, maybe take them back for some uh, strip billiards. There are enough boxes for everyone. <laughs> As my living conditions are not befitting a man of my status... I feel like I need to give a disclaimer to any of the lucky female visitors before they arrive so they don't think I'm too down at heel. But Ollie, answer me this. How should I phrase this? There is no way of phrasing I'm living in some boxes in someone's sitting room uh, in a way that sounds exotic or erotic. I mean, if you're, if, you're, mm. uh, if you're trying to say it in a way that actually makes you appealing to these girls that you're trying to bring back, there is no, they're not going to think, oh, you're, you know, you're Darren Brown, surrounded by all these exciting objets d'art. They're going <laughs> to think, okay, you've been chucked out by your girlfriend, you're living in some boxes. No, you just say, my friends and I are looking for a place at the moment we haven't found one yet, so this is a bit temporary. However, a lot of people's fantasy, not a sexual fantasy, a different kind of fantasy is to build a fort out of boxes. Was, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Come back to my place, we'll build a fort. The chicks dig it. What about introducing it quite early in the evening, saying, uh, if you play your cards right, you can come back and see my boxes. And if I play my cards right, I can see your box. Hey, nice. Or you could just go back to her place. That would yeah, uh, sidestep yeah, side the whole issue. It does seem like the best suggestion, really. Mm, I mean, unless, unless she has a fetish for boxes. <laughs> it's, it's possible. I confess that once, years ago, before my relationship with Martin, I must emphasise, I would not let a suitor into my room because it was far too messy. <laughs> What, what excuse did you use? I said my room is too messy. <laughs> okay, right, so yeah. you just came out with it. Yeah. There's something quite thrilling about a lady who's prepared to admit that her room is messy, whereas a man really saying messy. the same... A man saying my room's messy, Suggest- you just assume he is a tramp, <laughs> because his room's going to be messy anyway. Yeah, or he can't live without his mum tidying his room. <laughs> well, there was a, with a man who's overly tidy, I find that You wouldn't creepy. do him, would you, Martin? No, I would not. Hello, Helen and Arnie. This is Andy from Tunbridge Wells, home of the ridiculous Millennium Clock. Lately on my way to work, I've seen children roller skating, a hobby, a pastime that I had in the 80s and early 90s. So answer me this. What from your past would you like to see become popular in society again? I'm just going to answer for Ollie Mann here. Macaulay Culkin. Uh, yeah, I guess I would quite like him to have a career revival of sorts. Yeah, he needs to get off the uh, substances first, doesn't he? Well, what I'd like to see is him come back in a an indie film that's good, because it seems like all the ones he's tried, that unfortunately he's just not yeah. picked scripts very well. And Rick Moranis plays his wacky dad. <laughs> that would be cool. The truth is, the things that I think back on from my childhood that I liked, I'm not that bothered about now because I was a child when I liked them. Yeah. Um, it's more the case of things in the last few years that have disappeared that I'm upset about. The Word magazine has closed. Mm. Yeah. Time Out as well. Just, it's just, have you seen Time Out recently? I've heard it's gone thin, but oh I haven't seen it. Oh my God, it's shit. Oh, it's no. so sad. I wanted my premium listings information Helen I wanted to be one of the cool kids I didn't want every fucker on the tube to know about all the same gigs that I do and for there to be less of them to choose from they've just messed it up um I would like to see proper rom-coms with proper scripts rather than just the director going well we got Witherspoon so let's not bother writing anything yeah but Nora Ephron's dead now it's gonna be hard isn't it wasn't Richard Curtis is past his prime I mean they had my cousin Vinny that era that the glory days yes yeah yeah when Harry met Sally I agree it's now it's just like dribbly shits well I went to see the perks of being a wallflower this week so did I no did you yes I did what did you think I thought three stars Yes, I think some bits were very good, but it was only good really when the characters' lives were going to hell and when mm. he was having a good time, you think, this is just like a wish-fulfilment scenario. I also thought her accent, shaky. I thought her accent was better than her range of facial expressions. <laughs> but I think when you know as a Brit 
that a British actress mm. isn't doing a good American accent mm. rather than an American actress isn't doing a good British accent, then you know it can't be a very good accent because I'm not American, but I could hear it wasn't quite right. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I thought it was okay, but, but at least I thought that had characters and drama in it that yes. wasn't just reliant on special effects and cliches. It was appealing. Or it had some cliches in it, didn't it? But, Plenty of you know, cliches. Yeah. But I also thought... I would have loved that film when I was 16. Yeah. But now looking at it, I'm like, well, I've seen lots of coming-of-age films. It's a bit like that. Oh, if I ever get tired of coming-of-age films, though, I'm, I'm dead inside. Well, yes, but you see, this is the issue with Andy's question, in a way. What you liked when you were a child, you wouldn't necessarily be interested in now. But it's not true, because I just rewatched all of my so-called life, and I still liked it. In fact, I liked it even more, because I appreciated more how good it is. Why do you like this? <laughs> Taking the question in the spirit it was intended, though, which wasn't as a prompt for us to talk about media that was we it. Missed. Do you remember Spangles? No, I don't. It wasn't allowed to swim, I'm too so shut off. I would say Orbit chewing gum when it was a stick. Oh, is it no they've, longer? They've a now stick? made the brand all about extra and the pellets. That's what you'd bring back. Fucking hell! But because the pellets make me sneeze. <laughs> Are they and too strong and too small? They're too strong, and I spray out minty shards everywhere the minute yeah. I put them in my mouth. The the sticks were great. I would like to bring back the brain I had when I was 10 because that was much better than the one I have now. It's full of knowledge. I could speak French and Latin then. Mm. Got neither of them now. I'm not sure I'd really want to do a podcast with you if you had the brain of that you had when you were 10, though. It's well. the fact that it's been jaded by 20 years of failure since. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you the unique concoction that you are. Helen. Many minutes should I bake a cake for Before it gets all burned and dry Ollie, how many onions can I slice Before my eyes start to cry And Martin, how many sausages would you like For your evening meal me these I'll be very pleased that describes how I feel Right, time for a question from Jack from York formerly of Brosley near Ironbridge. Oh, Brosley, yeah. He says, as a loyal Salopian that's someone from Shropshire. That's a Shropshire person. Like not, Martin here. Not, uh, not one of the tubes in the womb. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was told that Ironbridge is the home of the Industrial Revolution. Birthplace. That's, oh, God. I can yeah. tell this question's got Martin too excited already. We should have done it while he was out the room. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> when his jaws were stuck together with toffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't you go and have a shit like last week, Martin? Um, uh, Pig Iron, says Jack, was first cast into real iron, leading to an easy, cheap way of making strong iron. Cross-reference, the first Ironbridge in... Well, Ironbridge. The yep. clue is in the name. Yep. Right. There is the first single span cast iron bridge there. Right. Hence the name, yep. Ironbridge. I can't imagine I'll ever want to go. Spanning the River Severn since 1781. Recently, says Jack, uh, well, six years ago, I moved to York and have been told time and time again that Yorkshire was the home of the revolution. Oh, fancy that. Uh, specifically Sheffield. So, Helen, answer me this. Where officially... Did the Industrial Revolution start? Um, this is some kind of thing they have an official answer for, is it? And I'll move there! <laughs> um, did it start in a specific place 
or in many places simultaneously. It's the latter thing, yeah. really. Because that's how history works, isn't it? general movement. You want to say, where did the First World War officially start? <laughs> what was the thing that caused everything? So, although there were significant milestones in the Industrial Revolution, like the first iron bridge spanning the Severn since 1781... Invention of Coke. And uh, Sheffield was significant. But Sheffield had been making cutlery for centuries before then already, so I don't yeah. think it's really the birthplace. They just started making more cutlery. Yorkshire did have a pretty good claim to being the hub of the Industrial Revolution because it had uh, a lot of fast-flowing rivers that supplied power and also it's fairly near coal, as was Ironbridge. But I googled it and on the first page of Google results, Ironbridge comes up several times, Sheffield comes up no times and Manchester comes up once. And I think Manchester has quite a good claim to be the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution. Go on. Well, because uh, they built the uh, Duke of Bridgewater Canal and that brought cheap coal into the city, uh, which fueled new textile machinery and led to the development of the Lancashire cotton textile industry. Oh, God. What, sentences like that just remind me of GCSE history. Textile industry. The, the cotton mm. textile. It's just, I glaze over with Coal. it. Coal. And it, the thing is, it is interesting, and I'm very grateful because it created the middle class, the Industrial Revolution. And iPads. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Steam-powered iPads. Exactly. I, I would be a shit coal miner, so I'm very glad yeah. that it happened. No Pez dispensers without the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> um, but um, despite that, when I'm hearing about it, I just... It, it, yeah. I just can't... I just cannot get interested. It, it wasn't my favourite period of history. What is wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you, Ollie. It's just a bit dry. Right. I think it's interesting. Well, you like coal and you grew up in Shropshire where they need this kind of thing. So I reckon this is Iron Bridge going, guys, we're over here. Yorkshire's already got a lot of tourism. Yeah. Come here. I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's part of their tourist push. But, and, they, and they've got that tagline, the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution. Well, or that, self-tagging. Yeah, well, it's self-tagging, but they kind of got there first, I think. It is, it is a UNESCO heritage site, but on English Heritage, which um, administers the Iron Bridge, they say it's the cradle of the Industrial Revolution, ah. so they're not wading into this. I hadn't thought about the tourist element, the mm. self-defined tourist attractive element, but you, I think you're right there because I, I, I went to the site of the world's first roundabout in Letchworth the other week. Um, and you're saying this is boring. <laughs> I'm amazed you managed to get in because they're probably queues. <laughs> and you, that, the plaque that's there is clearly a case of Letchworth defining itself and having a purpose, isn't it? Yeah. Right. They've even got a pun on the sign because it says right. world's first roundabout built circa 1909. Hey. That's quite good. That's quite funny. I was isn't impressed it? with that, yeah. And yeah. you gyrated with joy. <laughs> I think what we've done is give people some wonderful ideas for half term trips. Yeah. <laughs> go to the roundabout and then cross the country and go to the Iron Bridge. Do you think we get sponsorship from uh, Telford and Recon Tourism? I doubt they've got much of a budget, Martin. I know, I know a guy there. I can, I reckon, I can wangle it. If you've been affected by any of the issues in today's program, you can call 0208 123 5877, or you can let up or shut up. Are you a man or a minx? Now, only a few weeks has passed since we learned about grey water on cruise ships. Yay! Uh, and now we've got another question about water on ships. Which right. is weird, because really, when you're on a ship, the last thing you want is water on it. <laughs> yeah. If, well, if that were the case, why would they have so many swimming pools on cruise ships? Yeah, they? well, they're you're asking wrong. for trouble. Uh, this question is from Jessica from Charlotte in North Carolina. I like it when a place is named after a lady. All of those places, Charlotte and Carolina. Yes, good point, yeah. <laughs> Not north. Anyway, um, she says, during the age of maritime exploration, the Industrial Revolution and maritime exploration on one show. This is the most educational episode we've done in years. I can't believe no one's mentioned Brunel yet. <laughs> uh, during the age of maritime exploration, I'm assuming ships did not carry fresh water for drinking and cooking to save space. You assume wrong. Um, oh, well, that's the answer then. Next. 
<laughs> uh, so Helen answered me this. How did they desalinate ocean water? Yeah, because that's the point. If they okay. had fresh water, had, presumably they did desalinate ocean water as well as just carry it all from the port. No, well, the problem was they had um, water in barrels, which were called scuttlebutts. Nice. Yep. Mm. I mean, it didn't stay great water for very long, obviously, because they're on these voyages for ages. And not that's much why... about these voyages does seem nice. No. Literally, pr- not much. Pretty good chance of death. Yeah. So if you didn't die from disease or dehydration or being killed by someone else then you probably would have added rum to the water to t- mm. as a kind of drinkable disinfectant yeah. and therefore you may have fallen off the ship drunk or got into a fight with someone and died that way and the only so, pleasure you'd have through all of that is a hand job from a guy with a hook yeah. hand yes <laughs> this is not fun oh, that, that's gonna be worth it then just to save doesn't it but anyway that's that's why the stereotype of grog on uh, pirate ships happens ah. because grog is the rum in the water so it was just so that they it got rid of the worst of the weevils but they did have desalination plants in the time of julius caesar the romans did everything didn't they yeah I reckon seriously the Romans had Facebook we just don't know about it they've got they had a giant robot that's how they conquered Europe (laughs) this is Terry in Brisbane I have seen on one of our pseudo current affairs shows a um, a segment on hypnolipo that is hypnotic liposuction Ollie you said that your mum's a hypnotherapist I'm wondering can hypnolipo really work and if it can how? As far as I can tell, the phrase is actually entirely interchangeable with essentially losing weight through hypnotherapy, okay. which is you know what hypnotherapists have been doing since the invention of hypnotherapy. Yeah. Um, so yes, it can work, and the way it works basically is by convincing you that uh, you don't want to eat as much as you did before, and therefore you lose weight. Oh, fancy! Um, so simple is that, as that. Is that the same as the hypnogastric bands? That they yeah. Do? Well, no, hypnogastric band is quite specific because with hypnogastric band, what they do, which is really really interesting actually. Mm is the hypnotherapist essentially talks you through in the same way that they might get you to revisit a trauma from your life that you've actually experienced earlier. They instead talk you through a hypothetical situation whilst you're under hypnosis where you imagine having the gastric band procedure. Wow. So they talk you through what it feels like to have the anesthesia and then for the surgeon to be operating and then to you to be waking up and you're feeling woozy and then you know that you've got this thing in your stomach and it's going to prevent you from eating so much and so essentially it's just playing a trick on you that you think whenever you put food in your mouth that you you physically cannot eat it as well as you don't want to so it's not possible then that the hypnolipo does similar but it's saying you've had the anesthesia then they take the hoover to your thighs and suck your fat out yeah i think no i think that's probably exactly what it is but really all of these things are just new sexy names for weight loss hypnotherapy your appetite is less put less food in your mouth put less food in your mouth which is the thing I mean I'm sure you've read them too every January Paul McKenna that you Mm. get a free book with The Guardian or whatever it's always the same it basically says you're too fat eat less that's kind of it Uh, but just every time you put food in your mouth I want you to really enjoy every mouthful I want you to really savour every I'm not going to be savouring every mouthful if I'm thinking of your creepy face Paul McKenna I listened to one of those Paul McKenna things once and the main technique seemed to be think of a food you really like yeah imagine eating that food now imagine eating a mouthful of hair with it. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want that food now, do you, Fatso? <laughs> oh, oh, that's horrible. Here's a question from Charlotte, who says, Helen, answer me this. Is it true that radio players use scripts printed on non-rustling paper? 
What is non-rustling paper? Yeah, I've, I've never, never met any. It's wood, basically, wood bark. Yeah, yeah. Well, an iPad, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, as far as it goes, probably there are radio dramas that do use tablet computers, aren't there? Or just computer screens. I'm not sure that most uh, manufacturers of radio drama have the budget for iPads. We were looking through the questions in our inbox earlier, yeah. and I, my instinctive reaction to this was, mm, maybe we should work on this. Helen was like, of course they don't. Absolute ridiculous. bullshit! So <laughs> She's never been so disgusted in her life. Yeah. So explain why you had that knee-jerk reaction. Helen to what is I would say a fairly inoffensive question well because there's no such thing as non-rustling paper paper by its nature rustles yeah and um, I've been is it not possible not possible it'd have to be be perfectly smooth at almost the molecular level wouldn't it like me that's because you've never done a day's washing up in your life (laughs) (laughs) thanks to the industrial revolution (laughs) (laughs) so the thing I've noticed though from attending live radio recordings that have scripts the paper is just bog standard but it has an unusual staple that allows you to turn the pages in Yes. quite a noiseless way if you're careful it's like a little round thing at the top with uh, some spikes going through it mm. also they do often have little breaks so that people can turn the page so it doesn't pick up on mic oh really yes wow that's yes. cool yeah i mean it's not cool at all you know what would be cool it's just have a drama that is one page long because really those things are not enjoyable to listen to do you not like any radio drama i tend not to like the style of acting it sounds very radio dramary yes mm. hello john Oh, that's a nice big barrel of milk you've got. But I don't... Who's that? But I don't want to discount all radio drama because I sort of don't give it a go. Yes. I instinctively feel like it's not for me, but maybe it is. I'm going to write one and then see if I like it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'll, I'll make sure that it's set on horseback so it can be a lot of coconut work. <laughs> Here's another one in our long-running thread that I call questions from the 90s. It's from James and he says, Ollie, answer me this. Biggie or Tupac? <laughs> I'm glad you asked me. Which one would you resuscitate? <laughs> My instinct is to lean towards the fat guy. Uh, just no, really? empathetically, I'd say Biggie. Isn't that yeah. the whole one misogynist? Well, yeah. well, they're both rappers. I mean, if you were to... <laughs> it's in the same way that if you were to ask me when I was a child, who would I rather spend time with, French or Saunders? Mm. Even though in reality, oh, I think now, I realise now as an adult, actually, possibly Jennifer Saunders even yeah, more fun yeah. than Dawn French. Probably would have chosen Dawn French because she looked more jolly. Mm. I think in that way, I think I'd... Lean towards Biggie. You're saying Biggie Smalls is more jolly than Tupac Shakur. <laughs> I reckon he is. Yeah. Well, let's do a, a, a more us type spin on this. Elliot Smith or Jeff Buckley? <laughs> uh, um, for me, Elliot Smith. Yeah. But that is about the music, not about the man. I don't really know anything about that. I'd have to say Jeff Buckley because Elliot Smith produced a load of really good albums. Jeff Buckley only really did one, and he didn't really get to see what his what his real strengths were. But then you, you sound more like Jeff Buckley when you sing, so you're diminishing your own market no. by bringing back the real thing, aren't you? Because <laughs> if Martin double tracks, then he can sound like Elliot Smith. <laughs> My head is full of questions which unbidden seem to follow me around And if not given to such happy disposition this would get me down the answer me, this toilet book has all the answers that I couldn't find. It's available from all good bookshops, so I ordered mine by going on Amazon. Helen, I'm very offended because you did not paint the walls my favourite colour and you did not provide me with the petals that I insist upon on my computer and you did not spray the room with my favourite fragrance this afternoon. Okay, well, firstly, I'm not allowed to paint because this is a rental property. Uh, Secondly, I haven't been out all day, so I couldn't get you fresh petals and I thought you wouldn't like dried. Thirdly, your favourite fragrance is anathema to me. Those are the sorts of demands, Helen, that I would make if I were a diva. You would anyway, because you're an only child. Yeah, that's true. Um, We've had a question about divas. It's from Chris who says, um, Helen, answer me this. What is the etymology of the word diva as used to describe 
a needy opera or female singer. It is an Italian term. Well, it used to mean goddess. The Roman goddesses. Yeah, the Roman goddesses were notoriously, you know, quite quite hard to please. A bit right, feisty, yeah, a bit okay. arbitrary, as were Italian opera singers. So that's why they took the term to mean them, because, you know, they were dramatic, they were very important. Yeah. Probably quite hard to handle. And now it means people like Mariah Carey and Jennifer Lopez. I wonder whether this term is a, a bit of a denigration of women because they did used to say diva about male opera singers as well, but you never hear that in the modern day. And I wonder whether it's because if a man's a pain in the arse, they're like, yeah, it's because he's powerful. Whereas the woman, they're like, because she's a pain in the arse yeah. woman. Yeah, the man, they'd use the word arrogant and underneath it would suggest yeah. that actually he was arrogant with purpose. Unless yeah. unless he was gay, and then I reckon they might use the word diva. If someone yeah. was being camp and having a strop, yeah. then they'd say he was a diva. A drama queen. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But they wouldn't say drama king about someone like Mick Jagger, would they? No, they would exactly. just, he's, he's exercising the rights he has as a rock star. Drama king. Well, I, I like that. I don't know, I disagree. I think diva is slightly dismissive. Mm. It's, it goes along the lines of how she's probably just on her period. But on the other hand, like if a man behaved like that, you'd just say, oh, he's a cock, wouldn't you? you know? It's more nuanced than that, though, isn't it? Because if you met Diana Ross, or if you're actually in a room with Diana Ross and she wasn't behaving in that diva-like way, you'd sort of feel cheated. Yeah, you'd send her back mm. yeah. and get a refund. So people do admire it as well. Like they kind of, mm. It gets to the stage where you're known for being such a ridiculous cock that it's kind of fun that you're like that. In my experience, it's usually the people that surround the mm. diva that ask for the demands, and the diva themselves actually couldn't give a shit. Depends how insecure those people or, are. Or how long they've been famous for. Yeah. Because after 10 years, you might just think that there is a basket of puppies everywhere you go. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, this I found very interesting because I worked at this morning at ITV, and during that time, there were some big, proper, sort of contemporary stars, if you like, who yeah. came on. The biggest diva by far that we had come in was Priscilla Presley. Oh, and, and exactly, you just think, well, what's she actually done? Naked Gun. Since Naked Gun. She's been in the business so long. But what does she, I mean, what does she do? She goes around the world talking about Elvis Presley's legacy, basically. But I don't think she is a commanding enough personality right. to allow for being a bitch. I don't know if she was a bitch. I just know that around her, that's what I mean, there was this coterie of people asking for things. And the whole time I was there, the only person they repainted the walls of the dressing room for were Priscilla Presley. There are some celebrities where you think, we need them more than they need us. Priscilla Presley, I don't think she's one of those for this no, morning. I, agree. I, I agree. mean, the show can still go on and they could just put an extra cooking segment or something. Yeah. Thinking of male devos, maybe Kanye West? Yes. He'd probably be happy with that, wouldn't he? He likes to be a troublemaker because the trouble makes him feel important. Mm. Yeah, well, that's, again, it's all about building mystique around you, which suggests to me that you're insecure in the first place. Well, mystique are all available. <laughs> you can take them everywhere with you. And the other thing you can take with you everywhere is our app, which is available Yay. for iOS and also for Android, but you do have to work a little bit harder to download it for Android. Sorry, that's not what, our fault. That's the kind of challenge Android users love. They're probably <laughs> nerds, aren't they? They're nerds. Uh, but all the links to do that are listed on our website, AnswerMeThisPodcast.com Of course, our contact details are on there as well, so you can send us questions. Hooray! Yes, by email, phone, and as we said, Skype. I mean, though, Skype voicemail. I don't mean type us a question via Skype because yeah, we always forget point? to... Why do people do that? <laughs> oh, it makes us angry. <laughs> I'm incoherent with anger. <laughs> so hopefully by next week, the incoherence and the anger will have subsided yes. and the podcast will not just be me going... <laughs> sounds like our early stuff, which oh, you can God. also buy on our website. And we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye.